Alright, ladies and gents, welcome to Andy Podcast. And before we get started, I just want to say thanks to everybody that's been supporting season one all the way through season eight. And by the time you guys hear this, this will be season eight, episode 10. And um, I want to give a shout out to my homie Ryan. And if it wasn't for Ryan, I wouldn't have known this next cat right here. And, um, you know, I was introduced to him through Ryan, and we started out building us podcaster to podcaster. He had me on the show first, back in the when the pandemic was still in. But in 2022, I got a chance to work with this cat as far as like promoting shows and doing shows together and seeing him host shows at the Sweetwater Art Ranch. Shouts to the whole staff of Hamul, everybody in Sweetwater Art Ranch. Um, you know, like... And I mean this with the utmost respect and the most humble way possible. I don't know too many people who work harder than me. And he's one of them though. Like, and he's one of them. And I don't know too many people that does more shows than me. He's one of them. Like, I see him do shows Monday, Tuesday, like throughout the week. And I'm impressed, man. Like, I don't know how he does it. One of the most consistent punk rock alternative rock acts out here in SD killing the open mics not just SD but Bakersfield like just different cities every week and I look up to that because that's what I do every weekend and he got a new album coming out and it's also interesting how he he recorded this new album and ladies and gents without further ado we got Audio Martyr and the album is going to be called American Dream. How are you doing, dog? Yeah, dude, man, that was quite an introduction. <laughs> How long did it take to rehearse that one? <laughs> you know, Thanks. I got your back. Thanks, man, dude, that, that's good. Yeah, man, um, shit, there's a lot to unravel in that. Like, uh, you're right, you're right, going out, playing a lot. You're right, dude, you you are hardworking, though. You are, you're all, you're always out hitting different events and going around which i like i respect that that's why that's why we gravitate so well to each other and why we work together so much even though it's we have super different genres of music but we still really work well together and we enjoy it because i think our worth ethic is both really high and one thing I'll compliment you now. One thing you always do that I always respect the hell out of is you like you bring it at every event you play. Whether there's like two or three people in the crowd, like <laughs> it's like a small ass show, you fucking you go all out just like as if you're playing in front of 300 people. So that is awesome, and I try to do that. I I definitely do, uh, and I know we'll get into it later. We're gonna talk about cause the importance of even shows that are in front of one or two people you know those shows are just as important as the ones in front of a bunch um but yeah dude did the american dream album uh it's gonna be out uh july 4th so 4th of july uh kind of to fit the theme um yeah and i recorded it all on a four track actually that i found i was cleaning out some stuff and then i found this four track that i recorded I think three albums before back in the day, like kind of like personal side project albums. Uh, Cause I was always in a band. I would always be in a professional band or some band that kind of ha- was either managed by someone or it was trying to be popular or sound, have this good sound. So I wanted something to just experiment with. So actually the other very very first one was called something short of perfect back geez in like i don't know 2000 early 2000s i think 2002 is when we put or no 2003 or four um early 2000 we put that out and that was on the four track with me and brenty baggins um it's really cool because i reunited with them now recently and now we're we're playing again and stuff but uh yeah, it's tough, man. And but I like it because it's a challenge recording with the four track because you you're limited to only four tracks per certain spots. So you really have to know what is good or what's not good. Or then like doing vocals, there's you'll do a take and most of the take is really really good but maybe one or two words aren't good on there but you have to assess it and say am i gonna be able to redo that entire thing and and get it just as good or better and sometimes you have to be like eh, maybe not 
because uh, you can't just punch in and replace one or two words. And in fact, one of the songs, like the second main song on the album, I recorded the first track, all the first vocals, one first time, one and done. And I was like, oh, I was like, okay, that's cool. I got it. I'll record it tomorrow, whatever. And then I kept sitting on it. I was like, you know what? Like, I kind of like it like that. And then I ended up just keeping that. So the whole, that whole song was like the very first take all the way through the whole song. Uh, that's what it is on the recording. So I like that rawness and that just organicness and, you know, being forced to work with that because if I had the computer and if I was running that in my own house, I would, I think I would overanalyze it and do too many instruments and I would try to correct each syllable in my voice. And I would, I think I would end up spending hundreds of hours on one single or one song and I wouldn't be able to put out a full album and be able to move on. And now I'm already moving on and thinking about the second album and doing a live album and playing shows and uh, you got to keep moving. I feel like a lot of people, especially nowadays in this like singles culture where everyone just puts out these singles. <clears throat> I mean, I recorded the entire album on the four track under two weeks. It was, I think, 10 days I recorded the entire album. And then I went into studio and I think I've spent about eight hours now editing it up with the producer. Um, and I have a couple more hours and then it's done. So, I mean, in total, that's really a like under two weeks in total time that <clears throat> putting all this together, man. And I, I know some people, I know everyone has their own thing, but I'm, man, if you're spending, you know, some people are spending two, three, four months in a studio on one song. That's, that song's going to sound amazing, but also at the same time, how many more songs could you have done in that time? That's all I'm saying. But everyone has their own way. And, and, and that is my way is making the albums and making them a, a, a vibe like a story like this one's very much a story so what's the process of getting it from four track to the studio like how do they extract that audio like how does it work you just Dude, that is the that's the funniest part because okay back in the day when i used to do it back in the day we would just run all four tracks out and out and then we'd record that one out onto the computer um, but then now I didn't, but when you do that, then it's whatever's mixed together. That's baked in. That's, that's how it is. So if the levels are like good or bad or like high or low, like that's what it is in the final mix. So I kind of wanted to be able to get all four tracks separately so I could touch up some of the vocals or there's some like little, um, hiccups or some punching sounds I wanted to go and clean those up but if you put it all out on one out you can't really do that without it messing it up so we wanted to do it out on four so first we figured okay let's do it on my four track I only had one out so let's do it on one out do left and right and then we'll just you know do them each like that and then mon and then do it stereo and then monetize it and then we went back or put it on mono so we went back and recorded the other two but then we tried to layer all four and what we noticed is it started drifting so like half of it would be lined up and then it would get off and then the other part would be on so what ended up having we did research we found out that cassette tapes they actually drift they actually drift and go in and out so whenever you listen to a cassette tape, it's it's never going to be the exact time as the original artist wanted it, or it'll never be the same ever, every, every time you listen to it. And I, I imagine vinyl is exactly the same, but you're not recording onto vinyl and then taking off. But I bet if you record, you had this, try to do this with vinyl, you run into the exact same problems. I'm sure DJs, old school DJs would know what I'm talking about. So... What we ended up doing, I had to go, um, and this is how it's, stuff just works out, bro. Like, I think we we're kind of talking about this in the last time we talked about how you just kind of like go with the universe and things unfold and, and, and the universe provides and it works out. So we're in the studio that first day, kind of realizing that things aren't going to match up. And I didn't want to try to match it up digitally because I think it wouldn't sound good. So I went in and, um, the studio producer he actually went up and looked up um different four tracks that actually have four outs so they have one an out for each track 
little ended up this is what happened i looked it up sure enough the only one in america on this app that i like to use um was up in san marcos which was like 22 minutes away from us the only one so i hit him up drove up there bought that four track and then i basically had to get that old technology to link it out and uh yeah so i have that now so i definitely i want to record another one with the four track because it was a fun experience and i learned a lot this time i feel like i want to i could do it one more time and do it really good so i definitely want to do one more soon but it was dude it was a trip it was a lot of fun though for sure i love it what would be your top three songs in this album that will define who audio martyr is for all those who are listening top three that that really well i showed my friend one of like the unmixed one and he was kind of like surprised because like a lot of my live stuff it's it's um a lot of the stuff I do live is actually uh, comedy. It's kind of like a mix of comedy and like yeah. punk rock and acoustic. But this album's very uh, experimental and more uh, like emo and experimental and acoustic and like crazy sounds. And I went and found crazy old PSA ads and trimmed them up and uh, like from the old like 1920s and 30s and 40s. Some of the, some of these PSAs were crazy. Uh, but I think the main songs would probably be like Total Control because that's one of the main singles Um, and then generic emo song just because it turned out so good that so those two and then um, and then the last one would be Forgotten California just because I really like how that one turned out it ended up turning out really good but then there's one that Scarlet I I had the song Scarlet and the Poet and it's like a very dramatic song. It's like an entire, it's like a, it's like a story almost, this song. And so I went back and um, I wanted an intro for it. So I ended up writing like a five minute intro. It's more of a movie intro. So that one's really cool. It's called Scarlet's Preamble. I, uh, that one's more of a movie, audio movie almost. I don't know. But that one is one of, I don't think a lot of people would like listen and jam out to that and stuff. But that's one of the tracks that I'm like really, really proud of as far as like experimental wise and just messing with sounds and stuff. I love it. Um, what would be like your process? Do you write the songs first or do you come up with the melody first on the guitar? Or do you write the lyrics down first? How does your songwriting process work? Hmm, that's interesting. I think it depends on the type of song or or jokes too because jokes i do the same thing with jokes we'll write them down or they'll grow and evolve and get as they go they get bigger and bigger um but i would say i would say a lot of the jokes and funny songs start with like an idea like usually like oh i want to write a song about elon musk okay cool so then i then i go think of ideas that you know what do i want it to sound like oh you know oh i want it to be like a worship song like a you know so then i would worship song you know so then i kind of look into that um but other more of my other stuff that's like more like serious and things i think that's more that's kind of more of like a channeling type of thing where yeah i'll find a good riff or two or a couple good chords that i like when then do a good uh progression on it with a good rhythm and then i'll do the melody and then i'll usually do the lyrics the lyrics are usually last even though that's like one of my things that i feel the best that i'm in but I feel like having a really good melody, vocal melody, is really, really what's important. And then if you're a good lyricist, you should know this for anyone who's like rapping or hip hop. If you're a good lyricist, you should be able to fit the, your lyrics into uh, any melody that you're given, really. And and I, I think melody comes first is really most important. Overall, for the most part, unless you're doing some experimental stuff. But yeah, overall, I do the melody is just kind of what comes to me first. Dope. When's the release date for this? Oh, it's the 4th, uh, July that's right, that's right, 4th. Right. Yeah, so... All streaming platforms? Yeah, yeah, apparently. I was talking to Stuart 
he's the dude who's producing it. He was saying that um, he's like, you gotta, you gotta do it, have it done a month before. Like apparently that's the thing. I don't know. I'm new to all this, like the pre-saves and the and the releasing it. Like I released my the last album album I released. I mean, I did a live one, but I haven't uploaded. I'm gonna put the mini live album up too, all at the one bang and i have some old unreleased audio martyr stuff not unreleased but stuff that's not on spotify i'm gonna put a bunch of that up so i'm gonna do a whole dump of album uh music for the uh coming up for the next like two three months um but i i know not familiar with this the last one i uploaded was in 2012 or yeah 2011 I think 2011 yeah 2011 2012 was skyscrapers to Suarez and that I uploaded that so long ago that you can't even do it on the TikTok sounds or any of the trendy stuff now so I like how can those songs even go viral if if you can't do that so I gotta fix all that and get with the times gotta, but I that's gotta, a whole new thing yeah I gotta squeal on that one yeah. I, I've heard Distro Kid is the best. That's usually what. Um, but I've heard there's CD Baby, Distro Kid. Everyone has their own thing. I'll but let you know what's up. Yeah, yeah, we'll talk about that. That's cool. Um, and then I'll tell you how to get it on TikTok. So yeah. Um, let me ask you this, man. What's what do you like more, performing or recording? Mmm. That's tough. I like. I fell back in love with recording, with doing this album. Um, the thing with the recording and how I like to do it is I like to kind of get lost into it when I'm recording. So, it's same thing when I'm writing. If I'm like writing, working on a novel or working on some in-depth poetry, which poetry is nice because I could just disappear for a couple hours or even 30 minutes, write my poetry and be back. Whereas if it's a book, a novel or an album like I'm gonna be gone for two weeks or a month or two years if it's intense and so when I do recording albums I, I kind of disappear into that world I go into that world I go into that universe and I kind of leave I kind of kind kind of leave here <laughs> a little bit and 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 I I go and I, I I create that world and then I record it and package it up and then I'm I I put it into this world and then I come back and and that's and so I love that and I forgot how much I loved creating that and creating the world and I love I love every album I ever do is always a storyline or it's something it's it's there's always something based in it or there's a storyline or there's there's always more involved than just it being 12 songs on a record it's always each song plays its part in the entire record they're all integral in the overall piece so that's pretty much um like but but playing live i think is my jam so i don't really think i think they're so different but i think over overall i think playing live is my favorite thing but just because I love people and I love interacting with people and recording is just so isolating and like draining and depressing um but in 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 a therapeutic good way I'm not you know not and I I'm not kicking it but I mean that's why I think we have artists who only record one or two albums maybe once a year two years three you know at once every few times a year it's draining man especially if you're an artist who really puts your heart and soul into your art and you're really channeling something deep and you're really like using it as therapeutical stuff and the music means something the lyrics like everything means something the artwork means something like you dedicated songs to things like like events of these things happen to you in your past so this is deep shit and you're getting it all out and that's that going back to the singles thing like again no hate but this is why i this is why i'm concerned about the single stuff is because you're 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 doing that constantly you're you're going and being vulnerable and digging that out and getting all that out and like 
that's a tough emotional state to constantly be in and then going and promoting it and then and then moving on to the next one and then hoping it goes viral and then god forbid it does go viral and then you have to recreate that shit again so I mean, and that's why, like, now we're doing this podcast, you reach out, yo, let's do a podcast, talk about the album promoting. I'm like, dude, I'm like, that's a great idea. Let's do it. Like, why didn't I think of it? And so, and then I'll do some more things promoting the album and talking about the album. But it's like, man, I'm not gonna, um, I'm not, I, I, I couldn't do this every two months, every three months going like, hey guys, I got a new song, like blah, 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 but I'm okay getting out there and really promoting the album and be like, hey guys, I got an album, come check it out and promoting the album, you know, uh, one time, once a year, maybe twice a year, if I am able to do an album twice a year, but that, that, that's a shameless promotion of promoting the album, man, that, or a single, that sucks, it's not fun. Yeah, for me, um, performing, it's fun, but recording is therapeutic. Yes, it's two different things. Dude. Yes, I, when I'm performing, it's fun, but when I'm recording, it's more healing. Um, and I can't seem to shake off performing. If it was up to me, I'd rather be on stage every time. But I do have to learn how to balance it and squeeze in some studio time in there. Because for all my indie artists out there, you know how it goes. You gotta constantly stay on the road and you gotta constantly stay in the studio at the same time. Yes. <laughs> yes. It's 50-50. You gotta do both. Uh, and, and and make content. It can't just be all studio and then you're not outside promoting it. It can't be that either. Yes. And it can't be all shows either and you're not making new music. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of my predicament I came into, which is like why I'm like, yeah, I got to get stuff online because a lot of people are like, oh, do you have stuff online? Well, yeah, but it's old or it's on Instagram or TikTok and it's not streaming listening. But no, you're right. And it's also you got to keep creating music. You got to keep or creating and you got to keep evolving. And that's how you get better, too, is by performing is you get better. So if you're not performing and you do have a song that goes viral and blows up and then then all of a sudden you're supposed to go and perform in front of people and you haven't done it or you're really rusty or you've only performed in front of 50 people tops and now you know let's say shit goes viral now you have a show in front of 5,000 people I couldn't even imagine jumping from that to that like you gotta grow you gotta like slowly build that fan base you gotta build connections that's that's what i think is so important yes check this out right um i've been dropping albums since 2006 and this will be my 13th album and it's it's been 18 years now of doing it straight not even including the mixtapes and the producers that are still working with me to this day the past 18 years are people I've met at shows. So that's how important it is to like to build relationships on the road. Like it's you build some lifelong uh, business relationships and and uh, creative creative partnerships with people, you know what I'm saying? Yes, no, for sure, dude. It's like so important. It's super important to go out on the road and to meet people and connections, like connections are key. Um really is because like i've i've gone out and um i've played open mics out on the road because i didn't couldn't find a show or anything but then that ended up meeting someone at that open mic whereas the next time i was in town i'm able to set up a show with them so yeah and there's just there's just something about the human to human connection i think that's so important about playing shows but like you said, I, I think you nailed it. It's playing shows is fun. Recording music is therapeutic. Yeah. And, and yeah, that's why, yeah, I, I definitely, I kind of forgot, dude. I kind of forgot how it, how therapeutic that is, you know? And then I, I did this album and I was like, yeah, that was, that was fun. It is tedious work. And I think if you really care about your art, I think true artists will be anxious the whole time recording the album. I know I am. And um, I think that doing shows is a test 
to see if the songs are connecting and working. It's mm. like you cook it in the lab, but you gotta test it out to see which one which one works. Um, let me ask you this: in the punk rock scene, is there a lot of politics? Is there is there favoritism within promoters? Uh, is there politics involved? Is it difficult? Is there egotistical people in the in the industry? Uh, <coughs> I don't know. I wouldn't. I wouldn't even. I'm not sure about like the punk rock world. I think it is definitely. Um, there's pockets, you know, like there's pockets of different groups, and that's kind of with all genres of music at least what i've noticed so far at least definitely here in san diego you have little pockets of different bands like an in like kind of an indie pocket and then you kind of have a little bit of the punk bands and they do kind of say to certain venues and they'll kind of play in some venues and other bands will stay in a certain venue um and to break through is difficult you have to go and pay your dues but I, I've found that all the po- pockets are pretty accepting if you go and you genuinely support the other artists and you listen to their music even if it's not like your thing but you kind of can flow there and you your music can resonate with the people who are going there too um, it's good to go and check it out and become a member in that community. But but what I found, this is my thing that drives me nuts, is like a lot of people, they, they just, they find their community and that's where they stay. Isn't that one little, that one little group, which again, if that's, that's your thing, that's cool. But I, I just can't do that. I love to bounce around and to play for as many people in as many different venues as I can really like, yeah, for sure. Let me ask you this. What are you learning about yourself as a performer in these uh, gigs out of town? Oh. The gigs in Bakersfield, the gigs in L.A. In Portland. Going to East Coast lately. Yeah. What, what are you learning about yourself and these people and the people outside right. of SD? Right. And um, I'm go. I'm planning right now. I'm planning a, for the end of May going to go out to the East Coast. So if all goes According to plan, I'll be doing five performances in five states in five days. So it'll be like New Hampshire or, or Rhode Island, Vermont, New York, Connecticut, and then um, uh, one other, uh, Rhode Island, I think. Yeah. Um, but so that's going to be really fun. But what I did learn is that. It is good to try, like you said, you bake it in the oven. So going and trying some of your stuff in different areas, it it is kind of cool. Because in some cities, your act really will resonate a lot more than your act resonates in your hometown. Or in the neighboring town that you go to. So that's one thing I learned is that... There are pockets of places that you could resonate with and, and you could really vibe with. Uh, another main big thing that I learned is like small towns are not really small towns, like medium sized towns. Those are the place to go. Um, I, I always love going to Portland. That's one of my favorite places. But on this last time drive up, I was like, you know, I'm going to like skip Portland. I'm going to go check out. Medford and over in Medford there's uh this small town called Phoenix and then there's Ashford or Ashland Oregon and uh it it's a really really small town but they have this really cool venue called the Phoenix Clubhouse and it's a tight-knit group of community of uh performers and creatives and they do this open mic and they have featured artists and it's just so awesome what they have and they've been doing that for like five years and so i've noticed especially living in san diego and then i'm sure you know what i'm talking about going to san diego and playing in la is here in big cities especially tourist destinations like san diego you're competing with so many things you're competing with the beach you're competing with like the padres you're competing with other 20 other live shows other national acts like eh, you're competing with so many things not even like 
let alone the movie theaters or, you know, just generic stuff people could go do. So you're competing against all this stuff. It's so tough. But when you go to some small town, they they might not even have a movie theater or maybe their movie theater is 30, 40 minutes away in another town. They, yeah, like the big thing that the big event they have is a football game, the high school football game on Friday night. So you go to this small town and you go play a show there and you find some other acts who are local and you do a show, that's going to be like the highlight of the month. Whereas you do that same exact show with the same exact acts here in San Diego, there's just a blip on the map. That's like, you're nothing. That's like you're nothing in that day. You're nothing. I mean, it it's the whole, what is that? The big fish, big fish, little pond scenario. Um, and that's why, again, like I always tell other artists whenever I, I, I stress to them, I'm like travel, tour, you know. And there there's towns like, and I always try to like, so one of my favorite towns is Prescott, Arizona. Like, and then like the other in Phoenix or Phoenix, Oregon. I mean, there's, there's these crazy, like the whole rogue Valley, Oregon. There, there's these little pockets that you can go through. Even Shasta, Mount Shasta over there. I mean, there's little weird pockets throughout all of the West coast I've found. And like, I'm excited to go find these pockets in the East coast, but they exist. And I, and I would always recommend hitting those up over a bigger city if you could do both do both but you know if you only have the choice of doing like one or another i would go especially if you're a smaller artist i would go to the smaller the medium the smaller cities for sure i was telling mike earlier this year that um i've been doing raves this past couple years and they just give me the coordinates and there's no real address and being the only hip-hop app on like um on drum and bass DJs and EDM DJs. I'm also learning sometimes you gotta take risks. Like sometimes you gotta be the only genre over type in the bill. Um, it's it's a risk, but I think the more risk risk you take, you never know who who you're gonna connect with. Because now that I've been doing shows with them, you know, like they always holler at me and like it's networking. I'm gonna tell you guys something. Us artists, man, we are not extroverts. People think we are, but we're not. It's hard to be out there in social settings for those who have social anxiety like me, you know? It's not easy to be out and about, you know? like. But in order to be in this business, unfortunately, we don't have a choice. We have to be social somehow, some way, shake hands with people, look everybody in the eye and say thank you to every single person who was clapping for your set. Yeah. Everybody who yeah, stayed in your yeah, set, yeah. you need to get off stage, shake everyone's hand, get everyone's IG. Yeah, 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 yeah. Every right. single person that watched you, and that that's what you should be doing at the right. show. Right, yeah. You need to formally introduce yourself, because I believe that's how you keep the longevity and the cult following going. Yes. You got to build it on the road. They're going to be the people to spread it. Yeah, 100%. I'll even, I'll even, yeah, no, for sure. Yeah, get your, have them follow you. You connect with them. I'll even take it one step further is even go and if you're watching other sets, one of my things I always try to do is film the other bands or performers and throw them up on your story. It's like, it's on Instagram. Even you could do it on Facebook. You even could do it on uh, TikTok. I'm. I don't know about Tinder. Uh, uh, what is it? Tinder? No. Uh, you can't do it on Tinder. No. You. But you could do it on uh, Twitter. That's it. Can you? I don't know. <laughs> but it's, seriously, that's one thing that's so easy to do is to just film their little story and then tag them in it and then throw it up because then if they like it they could share it giving them prompts or giving them a little shout out and it disappears in 24 hours anyway so if they suck it's gone in 24 hours <laughs> and I know Mike's been schooling me on the low on like um, yo that's one thing no that Mike's, yeah that's one thing Mike's I gotta been... call you out on is uh with the with the Instagram and the TikTok Marlon over here ha- like you're you're right you're right with the with your um, everything the going out and meeting up with people person to person. All right, Mike. So before we pick pick up where we left off, tell me what you're learning about the algorithms on TikTok. 
Oh, dude. So the algorithms and... It's crazy. You can't... There's no understanding or, like, getting them. And I understand people... So many people go out and they'll talk about, oh, you got to know the algorithm. You have to post at this time and use these hashtags and do this and do that. And man, I I really don't think a lot of people even know what they're talking about half the time. They're just kind of saying things. I will say having a little hook and then doing your main content and then having the video move. And there's all this crap you could do that's basic human psychology to like keep people's attention onto your thing and then you do the call of action at the end like like and subscribe to my video yeah you know but so that stuff will help and get you more attention I I know the formula exists but it's like so hard for me to go and just use it I just don't feel authentic using that scripted formula and then of course videos views don't do as well but I do know for sure consistency and we're talking about this consistency is really important uh the algorithm wants to keep people on the website whatever whatever app you're on so if you're creating good content and if you're engaging with people and they're engaging with your content and watching it then it you know people are gonna stay and watch it um but try i think I think, and you know, I always joke about the algorithm and stuff, and I, but I think trying to figure out the algorithm is just, it's like, it's just a lost puzzle that you can never figure out. I think ultimately, um, what you want to do is figure out what your content offers people. I heard someone saying this, and it kind of blew my mind, is that they were saying, you know, like, your content, like, the most valuable thing someone has in life is their time. That's the most valuable. That's more valuable than money. That's the most valuable thing. And then they're going to watch your video content. What are you giving them in return for them to give you 5, 10, 20, 30 seconds, a minute, five minutes of their time? What are you giving them back in return? So I think as artists, it's really important to think what am I giving back? Am I giving entertainment? Am I giving maybe connection because music, people connect through music. Maybe I'm giving them laughs and comedy heals. People laugh to love laughing. So you need to think as an artist, what am I giving back to people? Because it, it's, it, it sounds really messed up to say, but and I, I'm guilty of this and I've realized how it is, but it's kind of selfish to just go out on the internet and be like, hey, my name's Michael. This is a song I wrote about my girlfriend dumping me. Here it is. And, and expect people to listen, expect people to care because their girlfriend dumped them or whatever. Like, why is it, why do they need to care about you? Everyone has that experience. So if you can make that content here's a song about how you feel when you're dumped and maybe it's more relatable in that context I don't know it just it just kind of blew my mind and so one of my big main things now in my content and my art and whatever I do is to try to create community and to entertain and to um create music that resonates with people uh, then those are kind of my my three main things. It made people laugh because like laughter is heal healing. So and 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 those are my main things that I'm really okay. It's my content, is my music, is my art, is whatever I'm doing as an artist. Is that always falling in line with those main pillars? And if it is, then I I feel like I'm in line with um, who I want to be as an artist. No doubt, no doubt. Um, let me ask you this, man. As far as marketing and branding, um, what do you think stands out about Audio Martyr? What is it? What is it that's going to make you stand out among all the other other artists releasing music this year? Oh right. Um. Oh geez. Well, I don't. I mean, that's the thing. I don't really expect this album to like blow up or to get a million streams or to go viral or any of that. 
Uh, I do, I would like this album to connect with a few people, um, with the emotion and the connection, the words and the vibe. And I also put a lot of Easter eggs in from old bandmates I've been with, some bandmates I haven't talked to, some bandmates I still talk to, so they're, or old friends who used to be bandmates, and even some friends, and even old friends who I played music with, who recorded mm-hmm. with, who passed away. Um, so this one's kind of a, more of a personal thing. And there's a song about my daughter and, and my, and then another clip about my oldest, my oldest, uh, kid. Um, so it's kind of cool that it's about that. And also I want other artists. My other goal is for some other artists to kind of hear the four track and to kind of think about that and maybe not do it on a four track, but maybe challenge themselves in another way. Maybe, maybe they heard I I didn't write it all. Don't get me wrong. I had some of these songs are really old, but I sat down, recorded it, just recorded it all under two weeks. So maybe an artist will say, hey, that's a cool. I'm going to do, I'm going to do that. I'm going to give myself a time limit of recording an album. So I think that, but I don't know if it'll really stick out. Maybe, maybe over time. I don't know. Well, you got to think positive. You never know, man. What if it does get messed Right, right, right. <clears throat> you, can, you can't, you can never say, you can never say, hey, I don't expect it to happen. You never know. What if it does? That's know? true. That's true. Um, let me ask you this. How do you stay inspired making music as the years go by? How do you stay inspired doing this? Because it can be very discouraging. It can be very can be very difficult life on the road how do you keep going what keeps you motivated oh well that that see that's really easy for me because i took like a 10-year break off of music basically so you know i mean i started audio martyr back in 2010 did it for a few years had to take a huge break wrote poetry wrote a book i mean i did other art in that time but so now then I'm able to be out there and playing. It's like any time I'm able to do any performance, whether it's at an open mic at a bar with one drunk dude there or at a really cool event with a bunch of people there who are actively watching and listening and really into my set. No matter what, I'm always appreciative that I'm just able to do this, that I'm able to have this chance um, at this later age in my life that I really legitimately 100% thought I was not going to ever play music again. Um, like I would always refer to myself as I used to be a musician or a former musician and now I'm, I'm a poet now or whatever. So, I mean, I, I, I know five years ago, well, I would have no way would have believed anyone if, or myself, even if I would have told myself I was going to be playing music in a bunch of states and be putting on an album and doing over a hundred shows in a year and all this I wouldn't have believed it but I mean it's only been a little over a year now that I've been going and and that's and that's how it's like wow like and that's the thing you know like you you did all those albums you gotta as artists you gotta sometimes stop and like like look and pat yourself on the back and give yourself credit for all of what you've done and all of what you've accomplished. I mean, and then, and then turn back around and get moving again. But it's so important. I think a lot of us artists, we just beat ourselves up because we're not at that quote unquote finish line. But the, the real truth is we're always like, we are always at the finish line because we, whatever we're, we are, we're always accomplishing and we're always doing our best and we're always there. And then in the future, whatever happens, you're going to be looking back on these times and you're going to be regretting either because you can't play music anymore. You can't do your art anymore. You're going to be regretting that you didn't appreciate it more in these times or you blow up and get big. And then you're going to be regretting those shows that you played with five, ten people of your homies. And you could actually do that and not be recognized or you could do intimate shows. And now you can't. So no matter what, no matter what, you need to enjoy the moment because in the future, you're going to you're going to miss the now you're going to miss right now. And and, and it's all you're, it's, it's just building. You're just building. You're always getting better. And if you keep moving, you're always going to get better as an artist. That's the goal. To all those tuning in, I must tell the story. Um, 
I get criticized a lot for the podcast for not saying enough of my stories. And I got one story for you guys tonight. Um, when mom and dad split up, I was nine years old, right? Mom went to the mom left the Philippines to the U.S. That was in 1994. It took her one year to petition me and my older sisters. So me and my sisters followed in 1995. I was 10 years old. The last two years I lived in the Philippines, there was a band, an alternative rock band, by the name of Intro Voice, blowing up. Like, their songs was in the radio heavy, like, the Nirvana era, it was that sound. They were, they were, they were like the Filipino version of that, and they were blowing up the PI. I leave 1995, so of course, I also lose connection to what's going on with that band, you know, and I'm 10 years old, then 28 years later, I do a show in Carson, California, and I'm opening for them, dude. Um, and that was one moment, one rare moment, Mike, I had to pat myself on right. the back. I'm like, I can't even front, guys. I had to contact my cousins like, yo, do you know who I'm doing a show with? And they're still playing, And we huh? were both surprised, right. And wow. then my cousins were surprised, like, what? And like, yes, intro boys. And they're still playing, still out here touring. And um, um, it was one rare occasion that I was like, you know what? I've been doing it, man. Yeah, <laughs> you're able to like share a stage with it. with a band that you really look up to. Yeah, as a kid, you that know? was as a kid too. No, like, you're not just a fan. You're like a cohort. You're an equal. You're also still a fan, obviously, but now you're also an equal, which feels really cool. You're still out here doing it, and I'm still sounding good. And- I was humbled that I do believe that dreams come true. Yeah. You just gotta keep doing it. Yeah. You can't stop. There's gonna be so many, so many distractions along the way. And on record, I wanna thank Mike. Like, on some of my lowest moments in 2023, Mike was there, you know what I'm saying? And um, as an artist, we're gonna get, life's gonna beat us up too. Yes. And um, how do you stay an artist through that? It's probably the perfect time to be an artist when life's beating you up. And um, I never give myself props. And Mike knows that. I never give myself pats on the back. I never slow down. I don't know how. I don't know how how to slow down. Um, But I think, yeah, to take care of my mental health sometimes, I got to give myself more credit, more Mm -hmm. props. Yeah. Because it's not easy, man. It's not easy at all. I love being an artist, but it's a gift and a curse. We feel everything too deeply and too heightened, and we absorb everything too. We take it all. We're empaths. I don't know what to, what else to tell you. Like, we're empaths. We take a lot on. We absorb a lot of energy, a lot of egos throughout the day. We jumble all that up, and that is what we sing and rap about. You know. <laughs> right, no, no, Every, yeah, totally. Everything well, that's we what absorb. you create. That's what you create your art. That's what's the best art is. Is when when you're really living life and experiencing life. I gotta play Mike the album right when we're doing this. I gotta play Mike what we got so far. I got twenty four songs done, Mike. That's insane. These last <laughs> I recorded twenty four songs in a month. Damn, dude. That's how much... That's like one song life, a day, man. <laughs> that's, much, that's how much life has been healing. That's how much music has been such a healing factor for mm. me, too. So let me ask you this. Um, throwing shows. Do you love it? Do you like it? Do you hate it? Throwing shows, organizing uh, shows. I know you're an artist, but you also throw shows. Yeah, yeah, How do yeah. you feel about throwing shows? Uh, I, I, only, I throw shows pretty much because... I like performing so like if I have choices I like going through booking agents or like going you know I like other bands to do it but the problem like you said is it not I don't want to say it's clicky but I would say that it it, there is a wall to break through in order to get booked and stuff you know that's just how it is so i ended up i'm like i'm just gonna end up booking things and so i ended up putting some shows together at different venues and um 
I love, okay, this is what I love. And, and one of the coolest things that I started doing is doing music, because uh, I do music comedy mix is what I do. So I like to get comedians, because here in San Diego, I mean, I hear this is a lot of cities, but here in San Diego, our comedy scene is insane. Like the depth of the comedians here in San Diego is so deep. It's mind blowing. I've got, I, I go to open mics and I, cause I like to work on some of my onstage banter at open mics and I practice and work, do some crowd work. And, and that's how I get sharper with my uh, spoken word and my banter is at the stand-up open mics and some of these comedians here the local ones are just they're so good and they're advancing so quick like i i'll see them and then i won't see them for two or three months and they just they level up so fast and there's so many so i've been putting on shows and a lot of times i know in the hip-hop and rap world it's probably not as bad because you guys are just like you put your music like on a thumb drive and then they just boop boop plug right in and then you know you have your dj so it's pretty seamless from one artist the next i bet the the transfer rate's probably under two minutes you know it's like you could probably barely play one song in between there but at rock punk shows any normal like pop shows anything with bands usually the overtime is usually 10 15 minutes you know they'll play a bunch of songs on the house speakers and stuff and i always found that really boring so I started getting comedians to fill in those in-between spots. So we have do our show coming off Saturday. And so we have six bands and six comedians. So we have basically a comedian, then a band, and then comedian in the band. And the thing about it is like getting the comedians way more, like they get like 10 minutes where at an open mic, they go to an open mic, they get like four minutes, maybe, maybe five, six minutes if they're lucky. But here it's like, yo, yeah, 10 minutes, in between the bands, you know, all you have to do is just like let the bands set up or tear down behind you. But a lot of the comedians are cool with that. And it's just, I feel it makes this show go so much smoother. And then we're mixing two communities. As we we're saying before, we're keeping, we're mixing communities. Whereas all these people want to go out and do stuff, but they're all segregated. They're all in their own little pockets. But now we're mixing the music and the comedy and we're trying to get artists to set up their art booths and to set up art and do live art and stuff. That's the ultimate goal for this, to do like a monthly event and have, um, but I, I love setting it up, but I hate organizing it and putting it together. So I like saying, oh, this artist, this artist, this artist, and these comedians, that would be great. But I hate doing all the legwork, so. Um, I guess I would say 50, 50. I always am like excited to do it. But then once I'm in the thick of it, I'm like, I hate this. Why do I do this to myself? And then like a week later, I'm like, I'm going to put on another show. <laughs> it's like, I don't know. I, I like sadistic or something. I've seen Mike do a lot of shows, throw a lot of shows, man. Yeah. Um, and also I like to mix genres too. That's another thing. That's why, why we play together, you know? And uh, another thing I was batting to you, an idea of doing like a hip hop, punk rock show up in LA or something, you know, like doing stuff that are out is outside of the box. I just, I think that's so cool and so important. Like how you're doing your EDM shows, like you're going and doing that. Like, um, that's rad. I've been playing at punk shows, like full blown punk shows. I did a house show, like a house party show that had a stage. I mean, this stage was more professional than most bars. Stage. <laughs> and, uh, it was nuts, it, but it was full punkers, like with their whole equipment and everything. And then me just doing my jokes and my acoustic guitar. And But it works. It works like it It totally works. And um, I think a lot of people are, are get scared about doing that. But and if it didn't work, you would learn something and you could adjust and grow as an artist. But if it does work, you're going to create a whole new avenue and a whole new group to play with like i now go play with and at a coffee shop soft acoustic stuff at a coffee shop so you you can't limit yourself and you always got to try new things that's what that's what i've learned in the past year 100 percent amen um what would be your advice for upcoming artists trying to get into industry um I would say play as many shows as you can, especially for like the first, first year for sh like for the first year, like just 
play open mics every night. Like, play ev- open mics every night. Keep tally of how many shows you play for that first year. Like, document it. Because when you first start out, you're going to have some really, really shitty shows. And those are going to really kick you down. It's going to be tough. But then you're going to have some really good shows. And those will get you, pump you up. But the key is to learn that this is, I think we were talking about this in the last podcast. The key to learn this is a long game. This is not a sprint. This is a a marathon. So it's not about the first year, two, three, four years. It's about, you know, the, you know, your five, six year plan. So, I mean, if you're starting out, like just play as much as you can record as much as you can go live. Okay. Let's say if you're in some small town that you can't do open mics and can't do that, then go live, um, on TikTok, try to get, you know, network and stuff into music communities, get over a thousand followers, go live or just go on Instagram and you can go live on Instagram. Even if just your mom or just like your friend is watching you, that's it. Even no one's watching you. That's okay. Go live, practice your set on Instagram live. Maybe one person will hop in and out. That's fine. That's still giving you just that guts. And then if you start doing that consistently, if you start going live, like once a week, every one certain day, some people will notice and they might hop back in and then you'll build a little thing. And then now you're working on your stage presence. You're building your social media. You're, you're practicing your songs. It's like, you're kind of doing three things in one. So, I mean, this technology, as much as I like to make fun of it and talk about my chat GPT, be my girlfriend and how AI is going to destroy us all. And but really, I mean, the technology is amazing. And being able to go live now, the capability of that, being able to just upload a single in your own freaking bedroom, being able to record it in your bedroom, that is just, it's its mind-blowing. The, le- the field, the level playing field has been leveled. And you just need a computer, a phone, and like an internet connection at this point. And you're, you can achieve anything you want, but... Um, yeah, man, we could, we got to talk about AI next time. Cause did you hear that Drake, that Drake AI song? You did. Yep. I've been hearing all kinds. Dude, that, yep. All kinds. Yep. And I, we'll kind of end on this note. I'm kind of worried about we're at the end of music creation, real music creation, where we're going to hit a point pretty soon where everything's going to just be regurgitated AI shit. Um, and I know that sounds crazy right now, but I think in a few years, it's not going to sound crazy at all. I, I think people will prefer going to a website and typing in what type of movie they want to watch with the plot and the, who the characters will be. The AI will pop pop the movie out instead of going and watching the actual movie. Or instead of listening to new artists, they'll just want to hear... Kurt Cobain singing the new Lincoln Park song that they did, you know, so then that's what I worry about is that the level field, level playing field is leveled and anyone could do it, but now people just won't give a shit about you because they can hear Kurt Cobain do it, they can hear Prince do it, they can hear Jimi Hendrix play that guitar solo so why would they want to hear the new people? They could just hear the the new Beatles AI generated song. Why would you want to hear this new band? That and that's what I'm really fearing. And I and and that like I said, we will have to talk about this whole another time. But that's another. That's one reason why I do talk a lot about AI and stuff and ChatGPT because I think that's a big. I think it's a big deal, and I think we all should be aware of that, and especially new artists, man, because that's changing and and you could use it as a tool and and get in on it or you could also you need to know the possibilities of where this is all going and i really think that it's gonna be inevitable for hip-hop to start going over because like i saw the on the news um the owner the guy who made it stepped down from google or quit from google Oh, the AI. Yeah. Like, he Mm -hmm. quit. He Mm -hmm. was like, I'm afraid that humans are going to do it for something bad. He said that straight up. Right, right. Um, Let me ask you this before we wrap it up, Mike. 
What are some of the announcements you want to tell the people out there? Anything upcoming for the music? For, so one more time, July 4th is the release of American Dream. Yeah, yeah. All streaming platforms. Yeah, Audio um, Martyr, The American Dream. It's on all the streaming platforms. Um, I definitely listen to it with headphones. <laughs> like, because it's very, uh, it's very crazy. But yeah, listen to that. And then, you know, and then I'm going on tour. I'm, I'll be all over the place. Like, I'm going to East Coast at the end of the month. And then I'm hoping to drive through, planning to go through Denver and Arizona and Vegas, hopefully. And then, yeah, I'm just kind of driving around and just doing my thing. And um, yeah, man, just, uh, build a build a network you know build a community that's what it's all about and thanks dude thanks for having me on here again and uh right in time before the um album comes out because that's good promotion see that that's what i need to work more on is about thinking about like planning that out so it worked out perfectly yeah and um it's been awesome dude mixing it up and doing the hip-hop with the rock at the art ranch and then we'll plan some other shows and everything and then collaborating with you and stuff it's been rad and any way i could support the podcast dude and um it's cool i like what you're doing man so shouts to vance black you, um vance black was which is also ryan's friend sci-fi author from san diego um and i know you referred me to lauren Oh yeah, I'm excited to hear Lauren Resnick. Yeah, they, I here's a plot plot twist is I'm gonna tap Marlon into the deep comedy scene here in in San Diego. So he'll have the comedian but Lauren Resnick, which I actually worked on a song and helping her with a song. Um, make it happen. We'll make it happen. Yo. Yeah, it's so cool because we collaborated and did a song that she's gonna end up using for like a, a movie she's trying to make or a short film. And but yeah, it's 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 so rad, dude. I, so I, I'm excited to hear all your interviews with all the comedians and and you just going, dude. Like and being on next time I talk to you, you'll be like, oh, I'm on like season like 15, man. <laughs> yo thanks mike yo ladies and gents empty podcast we did it thanks for tuning in one love audio martyr peace 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 out